If you are able, please stand to show reverence for, to the Lord as we join in hearing his word. Our Old Testament reading this morning is Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 11. For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born, and a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek, and a time to lose. A time to keep, and a time to cast away. A time to tear, and a time to sow. A time to keep silence, and a time to speak. A time to love, and a time to hate. A time for war, and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into the man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. And our New Testament reading is in John chapter 1, 1 through 5, then 29 through 34, and finally 43 through 49. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 29, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. In 43, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him who Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. This is the word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God indeed. You may be seated. Today we have uh, the privilege of hearing from another speaker that we all know and we all love. Uh, we're going to be hearing from Daryl, Reverend Daryl Watley. Uh, he is the campus uh, RUF minister for uh, Delaware State University. And so as we hear from him today, you know, we're bringing Rick out of retirement. We're having uh, Daryl's preach and everything. And so we're in for a treat uh, this morning. And so uh, Daryl, give us the word. Well, good morning, Grace. It's a pleasure to be here with you in this new year, this 2022. And uh, just want to give you a little update. We're beginning our 16th year on campus, 16th semester on campus, next 16 years, maybe one day. Uh, we really had a great fall semester. Uh, we reached hundreds of new students and continue to disciple our students and leaders and lead them closer to Jesus. Uh, one thing I want you to pray for as we start this new semester is that DSU has gone back into virtual campus, and uh, they won't be meeting until the end of January on campus. So please pray for that. Uh, also, pr pr please pray for Braxton and Emma as they got married yesterday, and they're going to be moving to the D.C. area. So thank you for that. Thank the Lord for their marriage. And lastly, we want to invite you to a DSU appreciation and prayer brunch and after service upstairs in this building. Uh, we're going to have some of my wife's famous chicken wings they're grilled chicken wings, so they won't mess your New Year's diet up. Uh, we're going to have some other good, healthy food as well. I will say this. My wife does have the best chicken wings in Dover, but Miss Jones we can really fry a good chicken wing. We went over there for December. So <laughs> we're going to pray. We're going to get into God's word. Lord, Lord, thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you for this new year. Lord, this uh, new trip around the sun that you've blessed us with. Father, I pray for the listeners and the hearers of this word, Lord, that it would not uh, fall on deaf ears, Lord, deaf ears, but you would open our ears, Lord, and open our hearts to what you have to say in your word, uh, not just this Sunday, but for the rest of this year. And Father, I pray that we would use our time wisely, the time that you've given us, the time that you've blessed us with. And Father, I pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, as we enter a new year, many of you will make resolutions, most of them uh, dealing with the way that you use your time. Most of them dealing with the way that you use your time. The funny thing about time is that nobody really knows what time is. The only thing we do know about time is that we don't have enough of it. A few days ago, NASA launched an incredible telescope in, into space, and time was no expense. It took them 25 years to build it, and money was no expense either. It took them $10 billion to build it. It's the size of a tennis court, and they did this in large part to grant us, humanity, a better understanding of time and what it is. You know, the funny thing about time is that it's always different. No matter how slow you move, when you move, time slows down. Furthermore, when you look at human culture, you realize that there are very few ways to understand what time is. You know that if you're on Mars, a year is not a year on Mars. It's different. It's not a year. Your year is not a year on Jupiter. It's different. But as you look through human culture, there's basically, basically two ways to understand time. Based on where you are and based on what is important to you. In our modern culture, 
we tend to base our time on where we are. We are on earth. It takes 365 days, give a few, a few hours to rotate around the sun. It takes 24 hours for the earth to rotate and on and on and on and on. But as we look at the scripture, we read in the Old Testament that Israel based their year, they started their year in March. And it wasn't based on any astrophysics. It was based on their understanding of the Passover and the Exodus narrative, which defined and shaped their culture. They based their time on what was important to them. The question I want to ask you this morning is if God said, hey, I want you to go and design a calendar. How would you design it? Would you base it on science? Would you base it on sentimentality? Or would you land somewhere in the middle? The truth is we don't think about time enough. But the good news is that the church does not need to be anxious about time because Jesus has all the time in the universe for us. He makes time and he makes time for us. So what do the scriptures teach us about time and what are we to do with the time we are blessed and granted with from God? The first thing I want you to see is in verses 1 through 5, we need to be spending time with God. As we come out of the Christmas season, we are uniquely aware of the difficulty it is to equally celebrate Jesus' divinity and also celebrate Jesus' complete and total humanity. While Jesus could have lived in a cave as a monk, as so many holy men have chosen to do, and had no dealings with the outside world, he chose to live a life centered around God in all of his various activities, no matter where he went and no matter where who he was around. Jesus' life displays a clear pattern of human interaction that Christians and everyone else would do well to follow. John chapter 1 begins with perhaps the most iconic statement in Scripture, in the beginning. In the beginning is perhaps the, the most known statement in Scripture, but in the beginning is more than just a statement. It is a declaration of God's mastery over time because you can only say in the beginning if you were there before the beginning. God is beyond time. God is in control of time. However, God is concerned with time. God cares about time. God saw fit to make time in the beginning. God himself creates time and also declares time to be a good thing. Time is good. Time is not evil. Moreover, in verse 2, despite already mentioning it in verse 1, John reiterates that Jesus was with God in the beginning. He says it twice. We need to make note of that. This is important. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are always together before and after the creation of time. They create together in verse 3. They give life together in verse 4. And they are victorious over evil together in verse 5. They are always together before and after time. A little over a year ago, I moved out to Route 9. And uh, I never saw myself as being a country boy, but I thoroughly am now. I have a soybean farm and a cornfield in my backyard. 
And uh, oftentimes I'll go back there and I'll venture around. Um, but it has certainly had its benefits because it is truly beautiful out there. If you've never, I know some of y'all, I've talked to you about it. And some of y'all have lived your whole entire lives in Delaware or Dover and not driven down Route 9. That's a shame. I'm going to tell you today, if you've never gone down Route 9 and maybe this is your first week here, you need to go drive down Route 9. I have been taking a few, I've been taking a few moments a month to just go out before the sunrise and pray and spend time with God in some of these beautiful and quiet places. I'm alone. All I can hear is the frogs chirping or whatever they do. <laughs> and the horse flies banging up against my window. But it's beautiful. And usually I'll try to post a video of that on Facebook and just encourage everyone just to go somewhere quiet and pray. That half an hour I spend alone with God is so good for my soul. It brings me into this type of communion that God had, that God had had with each other in the beginning. Mark 1.35 says, Arise, and arising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. This is what Jesus did. Psalm 5.3 says, O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I have prepared a sacrifice for you and watch. We need to go out. We need to go somewhere quiet. And we need to spend time with God. When is the last time you spent time with God alone? If you want, I want you to do that more often this year. And I want you to be intentional about it. Tell Siri to remind you. Put it in your calendar. Put it on your refrigerator. Tell your wife to go push you out the house. Tell your husband to leave you alone for a second. But go out and spend time with God. Make a day of it if you have to. Don't be afraid to restart that one-year Bible plan that you've never finished in 30 years. Moreover, what darkness had, did you experience in 2021? Of all the truth in scripture, we see that when you are spending time with God, that darkness is sure to be pushed out by the presence of God. The next thing we see is that we need to spend time with God and we need to spend time in the world. Verses 29 through 34 make that clear. While Jesus certainly spent time with God in private, he also spent a great amount of time with God in public. Jesus was not a narcissist, but he also was not a wallflower. In verse 29, Jesus does not elect to have a private baptism. This is why we don't do private baptisms. Jesus' baptism was public. It was before everyone. It was a witness to the world. It was a declaration that I am God's son. And I am becoming before the world to witness to God and for God. 
Jesus' baptism was a statement to the world. This is important because as John states, Jesus came to save the world from its sins by Jesus' death on the cross. And as we are reformed people, the classic understanding of that word world is all the people of the world. The Jewish people, the Gentile people, the Indian people, the people that they didn't even know about, the Africans, the Asians. All the people of the world, Jesus came to save. The world did not need a hidden Savior. The mystery of Christ was being revealed to the world. Colossians 1, 25 through 27 says, I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints, Jesus was being revealed to the world. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus was being made known to the world and all the different peoples of the world. He was being revealed. John states in verse 31 that Jesus must be revealed to Israel. Likewise, God also does not keep Jesus secret. God makes it clear to the world that Jesus is the Messiah by clearly anointing him in open view of the public. One of my favorite TV personalities is Charles Barkley. If you watch basketball, you know who Charles Barkley is. And he has a certain way of saying things and being very honest about it. So in remarking on a certain basketball player that refused to do a press conference, he simply said this, your job is not just to go and dribble a basketball. Part of your job as an NBA player is to go and do these press conferences, whether you win or lose, whether you had a good game or a bad game. It's their job to be in public. Likewise, as a pastor, one of the great things that we do as a pastor is after the sermon, we go to the back of the church, we shake your hands, and we talk to you. It's our job to be in public. We're not supposed to be hiding behind a door. Jesus goes out into the world, whether it likes him or not. Jesus could not be a hidden Messiah. Jesus could not only be a public Messiah when it suited him. The Westminster Larger Catechism says that what is the estate of Christ's humiliation? The estate of Christ's humiliation was that low condition wherein for his, our sakes, emptying himself of all glory, Jesus took upon himself the form of a servant in his conception and birth, life, death, and after his death, until his resurrection, Jesus came here in public in the good times and the bad times. Being with humanity was never convenient for Jesus. But he went out of his way to love and commune with the world even when it hurt. In 2022, what new ways can Grace Church Follow 
the example of Jesus. What new ways can Grace Church come into the world and powerfully proclaim the gospel to a community desperately in need of a real and living Messiah? Now, you know, as a guest preacher, one of the best things about a guest preacher is that you can poke the bear and run. Guest preachers are known for hitting runs. I'll tell you that right now. And I'm good at it. I do a lot of guest preaching. I'm real good at it. But I... I'm going to hit you, but I'm not going to run today because i got to be back here next week. <laughs> While the COVID-19 threat is real, right now we got two cousins in the ICU doing bad with this thing. We've had many sick people in our church. COVID-19 is real, but we need to do our best to reprioritize our church attendance. I got bad news for you. This thing going to be around for a while. We thought it would be here for six months and go. We thought it would be here for 12 months and go. We thought it would be here for 18 months and go. It's been three years. We're in our fourth year. Remember, this thing started in 2019 of September. We forgot. Our communities cannot see our witness for Jesus while we are at home watching the stream. Now, I put the stream together, so I like streaming a lot. But if we're going to witness to this community, we need to be here. We need to be here in person. They need to see us love each other in person. You need to get your vaccine. You need to get boosted. You need to take better care of yourself so if you get it, you don't get hit as hard. When you're sick, you need to stay home. If you're coughing and hacking, you need to stay home. I'm going to tell you that. But if you got a sniffle, you need to put your mask on. I told you I was going to poke you, didn't I? <laughs> we need to take it seriously, but we need to adapt. We need to change. This is not something that took God by surprise. He has prepared us for this. The word of God gives us all instruction that we need. Don't villainize people when they wear their mask wrong. Don't laugh at people when you see them in their car by themselves still wearing their mask. Don't laugh at that person jogging by the street, down the street by themselves with their mask still on. They're not going to get it outside, not around nobody, but don't laugh at them anyway. Love them. Love the people you don't agree with. Love those outside our church enough to bring them in. It's time for Grace Church to go back into the world again. Not in fear and also not in foolishness. The next thing we see is that we need to spend time with God and our friends in verses 35 through 42. Jesus spent a long time alone with God. Jesus spent time in public with God. Moreover, Jesus also spent time with God and his friends. What's remarkable about the text is the chronology of it. We start before the beginning of time, and then we are transported into this very normal week in the life of Jesus. And we are brought almost hour by hour, day by day, into what a normal week with Jesus looks like. We get a glimpse 
into before time, and then we get a glimpse into real day-by-day actions of Jesus. He doesn't spend his time with his cousin John. He doesn't spend his time with the religious elite who came to investigate John. Of all those people he could have spent his time with, he decided to spend his time with a new group of friends that he had just met the day before. At this point in the narrative, Jesus has already been baptized. He has done what he came to do. The mission has been accomplished. He appears to have traveled there all on his own. However, he stays the night because Nazareth is a little less than 100 miles away from Bethany, and you don't travel in the dark anywhere in this time in the world. Imagine traveling from here to Annapolis with no car. He most likely walked. If it was a rainy week, maybe he could have taken the Jordan down on a boat or something like that. But he probably walked. He appears to be simply minding his own business. John yells at him as he's walking by and says, look, this is the Lamb of God that's going to take away the sins of the world. After John says this, he's approached by two young men who were following John who simply want to get to know Jesus more. Rather than brush them to the stop side, he stops what he's doing and spends the entire day with them. Most people say that he spent from 10 o'clock in the morning all the way till night with them. Jesus made time for them. Jesus prioritized them. We don't know what happened in that home in Bethany, but it was not the home that impressed them because it wasn't even Jesus' home. It's not that the house was so nice and it was perfectly decorated and Jesus had the best, you know, meal. John and Andrew were impressed by the person of Jesus himself. They were so impressed by Jesus that they had to tell him, all their friends, about him. Moreover, what is truly wonderful here is that Jesus was not too busy for them. And more than that, he was pleased to be with them. For Christmas, my wife and I, we bought matching watches. Now, she don't need a watch as much as I do, but I need a watch, okay? I need like a whole army of watches so that I don't lose track of time. I only got a couple more minutes up here. I got a clock going on my screen right now just to let me know, and I got one on my watch. I bought them for us because it was a hope that maybe through this technology we could link up and maybe just get a chance to spend a little bit more time with each other. Anything that I can get to help me spend more time with my wife, I want that. It's our priority. Because the truth of the matter is, and we all know this to be true, that you make time for the things and people that you love.
I think what the disciples saw in that house was a man who was in no way anxious about time. He wasn't in a rush. He wasn't flustered because he needed to make his next appointment. He had his priorities together. He knew that what was important was spending time with them. They probably had never experienced someone so genuinely interested in being with them. And it was miraculous to these young men. John 15, 15 through 16 says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask in my father's name, he may give it to you. That is what those young guys saw in that house. They saw a man. They saw a God who chose them and wanted to spend time with them as friends. Jesus loved these young guys so much that he made time for them. Is there a group of people in your lives that you will make time for this year? When you drive by the house of somebody you know from church, do you think to yourself, maybe I should give them a call and stop by? When is the last time you've been to a small group? When is the last time you invited someone into your house? When is the last time you visited your family member in the nursing home? We make time for the people that we love. The last thing we see here, Jesus made time for God. Jesus made time for the world. Jesus made time for friends. But Jesus has all the time and eternity for us. In 47 through 51, Jesus has this interaction with Nathaniel. And what we don't often understand about John chapter 1 is that it ends just as spectacularly as it begins. While the chapter begins establishing Jesus as creator, it ends by establishing Jesus and his authority over that creation. Jesus holds the keys to the heavenly realm, and there are few places in Scripture where that is more or equally as established as John chapter 1. Jesus is not bound by time, yet Jesus holds time in his hands as a tool. Jesus stands outside of time itself, but he uses it and has complete and total control over it. We are not given an explanation of why Nathaniel is so surprised at Jesus' knowledge of his previous loca location, but it is clear that Nathaniel at least believed himself to be in a place under that fig tree that was so secluded that no one else was around to see him there. We do know that Jesus has just arrived in Galilee 
from Bethany, which are at least 100 miles apart. If before he had gone from Galilee to Bethsaida, from, to Bethany, and that's from like going to here to Annapolis, now he's gone from here to the White House. Jesus had just arrived there. He didn't spend any time exploring around the city, seeing what was around. Jesus miraculously knew what was going on. Furthermore, Nathaniel knew that Jesus had spent his time with Philip. Nathaniel is unfortunately too easily impressed. And Jesus makes that clear to him. He says, Nathaniel, if you're impressed by this, wait till you see the heavens opened up and the angels coming down and going back up. I'm going to show that to you. And Nathaniel says, this really is the son of God. We talked about the telescope that launched last week. And as amazing as it is going to be, we're going to be able to see things that no human has ever seen before. We're going to be able to see things that are, are going to blow our minds if it opens up. There is a chance that it won't work at all. So don't get your hopes up too much. I don't want you being disappointed. But I'm going to tell you one thing we won't see. We won't see the heavens opened up. We won't see angels descending and ascending. While we should do good to be impressed by this telescope, God has so many more amazing things to show us than that. Only Jesus has the power to open heaven to his people. As we look back, on 2021, how did you spend your time? Ecclesiastes 10 through 15 says, I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in his time, and also he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from beginning to end. I have perceived that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken from it. God has done it so that the people fear him. That which is already has been. That which is to be already has been. And God seek what has been driven away. We have an amazing God. We have an amazing Savior. And we have a God that is totally and completely in control of our time. What does God want you to do with your time in 2022? I'm submitting to you this morning that God wants you to be amazed by Jesus. God wants you to spend your time praising Jesus. God wants you to be enamored by Jesus individually, publicly, and with your friends. God wants you to stop selling Jesus short and overlooking 
the incredible works Jesus is already doing in your lives. And lastly, God wants Grace Church to be with Jesus every moment in 2022 and also for eternity. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that you are our sovereign, providential, and powerful God. Lord, time is in your hands. We are in your hands. And we are the sheep of your pasture and the clay of your mold. Father, I pray that we would spend our 2022 with you and that we would love you with all that we have, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And in Christ's name I pray, amen.